Carl, we're staying with the same menu, right? Yeah, I have something really good planned for tonight. I'm gonna let you say it's not sweetbreads. Yeah, You're that, gonna be able to taste it, it. that may be true, but we have the most reservations we've had on a work night since we opened. You realize that? I know. I was on Twitter. I was, yeah. I was, I was promoting the restaurant. I was what? on Twitter. Yeah, that's another thing. From now on, before you post anything online, I okay it. All right. The what? whole reason everybody's here tonight is because I called out Ramsey and Michelle online, and they're all coming to watch me stick it in his ass. Yeah, and you're gonna Twitter an apology for calling the most respected critic in Los Angeles. And I'm gonna apologize. That guy. What do you mean? You're you not see what he wrote about me? I don't give a he what started. he wrote about you. I don't care. You're a cook. You're a chef. This is what you've been cooking for years, and it works. And either you cook the menu that our customers have come to. You want me to cook the same food? The same exact. The same food that he ripped apart? The same guy who's coming tonight? The restaurant isn't filled with critics. It's filled with people that have been eating your food for the last 10 years. So now suddenly you're going to be an artist. Well, be an artist on your own time. Listen to me. No sweetbreads, no calves bread. I'm not cooking sweetbreads. Listen to me. The kitchen is my domain. That was our deal. I don't give a what the deal was. The deal is now changed. Either you stay or you go. It's up to you. End of discussion. Reporting to you from Capitol Hill, Seattle, Washington, my house, in my bed. This is episode 79 of Real Hall of Steak, Mr. Eight minutes. You are fired. Okay. Fired. Fired. <laughs> I am your crippled host, Bobby Stills, with me at our secret remote location, a.k.a. Studio 212, South Lake Union, Seattle, Washington. We have my co-host, Amy Boumier. Boumier? It's Boumier. Oh my That's right. You can do it. Tsunami out, shut Amy in. That's right, folks. I am recording to you from a remote location. Uh, Queen Boogie is in the house. Can we get a what's up? Yo. Do you want to give us your favorite AKA of all the AKAs that we've given you? I I, I gotta say I love it when um, Mr. Loudon Brown calls me Keith Boogie. Like he's got the Japanese <laughs> accent. He puts, he puts Keith Abuge. I, like, I like risotto Bob. I, I can live with that one as well. All right. All right. So today on the episode, we are going to be talking about a couple different things. Uh, robotics. We're going to talk about the pains of opening up a restaurant. Amy's going to read you a special letter that she has from a dear, dear, dear friend of the show. Someone that's involved heavily. Um, but first, let's give a couple updates. Uh, Amy, you want to go first? You want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. Well, my life's been going on with me. It was my birthday last week, and uh, I was supposed to go to dinner uh, at June Baby for the first time. I was not able to make it to June Baby uh, because I was at a small fundraiser for a mayoral candidate. Her name is Jenny Durkin. Um, it was really good, uh, privately catered by an old Russian lady, I believe. I cannot remember her name, but she made some delicious, delicious food. Uh, my apologies to Johnny. Uh, went to a show, uh, came home, and decided I was going to uh, pretend like I was a nine-year-old and play on the monkey bars. Uh, tried to climb the side of my building, and I fell, and I broke my ankle. 
Uh, but you can't leave out the best part. The one where your neighbor thought you were a junkie trying to break in and was throwing <laughs> buckets of water on you. So, no, update on that. She thought she saw on TV that Amy, she thought I knocked myself out, right? I was just laying there, like, kind of in shock, contemplating, like, what I was going to do, like, how I was going to handle this. And she thought that I was passed out. And so she had saw on TV you're supposed to throw water on somebody. So, how many stories uh, did you fall? How how high were you climbing? You have to tell. Two and, a, two and a half stories. Now, I've, I've made this climb before about 20 to 30 times. I've locked myself out of my apartment before or lost my keys. Um, so, And I've, I've climbed up and my patio door has been locked and I've had to climb back down. So I've never had any problems before. Um, I wasn't that intoxicated. It was my birthday. Uh, but... I just slipped. I mean, I just lost my grip. I was like, had my hands under pulling myself up and I went to switch when I had my, I had my foot up there. Uh, one foot was still hanging down and I went to take my hands from under to over the bar and I just fell backwards and I was too confident and I broke my ankle. So this is not my first broken bone, but first broken leg. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, lots of good meds. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of television. So, but good news is, I am going fishing this uh, this weekend in the great state of Montana. Well, fantastic! I'm glad that you can still manage that with your broken leg. Yeah, the doctors are all for it. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm pretty pretty excited about it. Kind of scared, uh, but very very happy. Very very happy. You know, I don't let. Uh, a fall and a break really get me down. But that is my update. Still not working. Uh, restaurant start open. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, how about you, Amy? What's going on? So I have been working on opening a restaurant for a year, a year and a half. And uh, we should be open in about two and a half weeks. So I've been very, very busy. AKA, two and a half weeks. AKA, are going to be about a bunch. Anyway, uh, I went to Portland on Monday. I ate a ton of pastries from Pearl Bakery, like I always do. Um, I had dinner at Imperial, which I always do. And uh, and then I got stranded on a bus, and it took me f- like six hours to get home. And what was the purpose? What was the purpose of this trip to Portland? To hang out with my friend. He just opened a place. It's called North End Saloon. It's in North End Saloon, old, old Chinatown. Um, it's kind of a sketchy area. So, Pearl District. Yes. Yeah. Well, old Chinatown. You know. So. I was there hanging out. I did, you know, some cooking with him, and it was pretty, pretty boring, to be honest. Not too exciting. Not too exciting. No. Any, uh, any new restaurants here in Seattle that you have eaten at that you want to inform our listeners um, about that you have uh, liked or disliked? No, I have not. I don't think I've been anywhere recently. Too not, busy. not since I was here last. Hmm. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I have to look at my own Instagram to find out. <laughs> <laughs> now, Amy got on me last night through text messages, and she seems to think that when I have the gentleman from Umami Jobs on, Sean and CN, that I kept calling CN Sean. I don't believe that's true. But if that is true, I would like to personally apologize to CN So is the last name, correct? Yes. So, S-O. Uh, yep. 
That's right. So apologies to CM so if I mispronounced your name, but you spell it like Sean. So <laughs> it was kind of that. But I did I tried to try I was calling up CN and I like those guys. They're doing a good job. I follow their videos. If you guys get a chance, go check out it's umami dot com. You want to spell it there for him, uh Miss uh Miss Lumiere. Is, are you asking me because I'm Asian and it's umami? No, it's because you're a friend of them. You're my, you're my co-host. You're my co-host. Oh, I thought Keith was, was your co-host. No, Keith is the producer. You oh, are. Oh, okay. I'm just jumping in occasionally just to break his balls. Amy, would yes. you like to spell that website for them? It's U-M-A-M-I-J-O-B-S dot com. Umami That's right. Jobs. Check that. Check those guys out if uh, you're in the market. It's crazy. I've gotten literally just today three text messages from three different executive chefs, all meeting dishwashers, prep guys, and line cooks. So it's a major problem got going on. It is a problem. So if you are a dishwasher and you want to be my dishwasher, uh, you know, please get a hold of me through this show. Thank you. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to move into something kind of cool. Uh, Amy hates it, but I like it. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I think it's really, really cool. So our buddy Dennis Johnson uh, down in Atlanta posted a video from a company called Mole, Mole, I don't, Mole Mole Robotics. Um, and they have created a, uh, a personal chef for your kitchen. So we have covered, we've covered robotics in the kitchen on Grand Ole Opry, Mr. Rapport, uh, but it's basically an assistant cook. Um, it'll run and get products for you. It'll flip some burgers. It'll shout out, maybe do a timer for you. It'll, it's, a, it's, a, it's a walking thermometer. Uh, but this one is actually a robot that it, it cooks everything in your kitchen for you. Uh, basically, it's going to have an iPod-type download list for you to download recipes or meals from celebrity chefs, uh, family recipes, and it will recreate those dishes to a T. So what they say about the technology is uh, it's no magic, it's just text. Here at Moly Robotics, there's no magic, only hands with multiple joints, numerous uh, actuating degrees of freedom, tactile sensors, and sophisticated control systems. This is what allows the MK1 to download a recipe and reproduce it exactly as the master chef would have cooked it, wherever you are in the world. Um, so the timeline on this thing is the idea came from a gentleman by the name of Mark Bolinick. Um, he first filed his patent in February 2014. Uh, his robotics team, Mole, uh, built the prototype in September of 2014. Um, it won the best of the best uh, CES, which is the Consumer Electronics um, Showcase in Shanghai. Um, now they're develop, uh, developing a market robot to go in your house. Pre-sales began in 2018. Amy, what is your take? It sounds soulless and terrible. Why? I don't know. I mean, it defeats the purpose of like what we do for a living. It does, but that does not necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to stop going out to eat. 
No, it just means that they're going to sell those fucking things to the restaurants so that, so that they can get away. <laughs> so I can afford to have two line cooks. Yeah. <laughs> Damn there's, it. There's no, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way at the price point they're going to have these things that you can have. It's only got two arms, right? So it can only cook so much food. That has nothing to do. This is totally some. It's just like chef steps, right? It's only being marketed to people in their homes. And you got to think about people who don't know how to cook or people who don't have time to cook. They still would like to eat good food without going out to eat seven days a week. I have my friends, you guys have friends, that all aren't in our industry, and they're terrible cooks. They still enjoy eating good <laughs> food. And it really, really dents their wallet because they go out to eat every night. So the expensive so, robot does not dent the wallet? Yeah, like I, I, I figure if you can afford the robot, you can probably afford to eat wherever the fuck you want. Or like fly around the world or, you know, go, yeah, wherever you want. I don't know. Right? And the thing is, man, eventually it's going to get cheap enough because that's the way technology works. That it's just going to replace people. I mean, shit, they're already yeah. trying to do that shit with fast food joints. How I was going to say they're doing that with, like, wives. Yeah, I mean, how long until <laughs> they just, you know? I don't know. This thing looks pretty badass, and the app that comes with it looks pretty, pretty awesome. I'm really, I'm really excited to see it. Um, I don't think that we're ever going to – I'll probably never get a chance to get my hands on one. But I guarantee I'll probably eat somewhere in the future that will have one of these in their kitchen. Just like they're going to have that robot, that, that burger flipping robot is going to replace. I mean, already I went to um, the Seattle Center McDonald's a couple of weeks ago hey. on my way home. Yeah, well, I went there to pick up some nuggets on the way home. That's about the oh, only thing oh, that I excuse eat. excuse me. <laughs> yeah, only the nuggets, okay? So I went there to okay. pick up some... I went there to pick up some food on my way home and they literally would not let me order anything from the people at the registers. I had to use one of the kiosks and pay through the kiosks. Now I made a mistake when I was ordering and I told, I looked at my receipt and I said, oh, this is incorrect. So I literally had to go and talk to somebody at the register. Did you have to talk to the manager? <laughs> no, I had to talk to one of the people by the register and they, they took my ticket ordered my ticket out, and I had to go re-ring it back in. It's so fucking stupid. Uh, it is ridiculous. They're trying so hard to phase out people in the customers, uh, customer service industry. Well, then it becomes they're making jobs obsolete. Um, I don't know. But I'm still in technology, and I think this is really cool. So we're gonna, what, are we, what, what vote do we get? Uh, Amy, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down. I do not dig it at all. I think it's just going to be like, you know, technically perfect and kind of just fucking soulless. Well, let's get some feedback from our uh, listeners. Um, why don't you guys, if you guys go to uh, mole.com, mole.com, it's M O L E Y.com. Watch the video, check it out. It's really, really cool. Uh, it looks amazing. I don't know. So, all right. Well, since we're on the subject of robots and opening up restaurants, Amy, you've been working like a robot mm -hmm. pretty much for the past year opening up a restaurant, right? Yes. yes, I have. And I have been opening up a two, trying to open up two specific places uh, down in the neighborhood of Deltown. One is a bar with my friends. Uh, the other one is a bar slash restaurant with my buddies, uh, Joey Nix and Jeff Rogers. And... 
Jeff, has been, Jeff and Joey have been working on their place for over a year, and we've been working on Mr. Darcy's for about three months, maybe. Um, and the, the project that's been running three months is going to actually open up before the restaurant bought us and moved here for a year. Amy, what was your original opening date for your restaurant? Oh, my gosh. It was, you know, very shortly after I left uh, Bell & Wheat. So the, when did I leave then? October 2015. Uh, we wanted to open the following spring, and you know, whole year and some has gone by. So it uh, it takes longer than you think, everyone. Way longer. How long over do are you from your original? Uh, like a day? year, and it'll be about a year and a half. Okay. Do you want to explain to the people what kind of things that you have faced opening up a new restaurant? Kind of what people give some people some insight into what kind of things that happen um to make it go over uh the expected opening date um so the building that my restaurant is going in it was um or the space in the building was not a restaurant before so first of all don't do that because it's stupid. <laughs> Find a space that was a restaurant that has gas and water and electricity and all those things that take a year and a half to put in. Uh, we did not have plumbing. We had to, um, not me. But so what was it permitted to that? What was it permitted to ask originally? It was uh, a residence. It was a squat. A hundred years okay. ago, it was a pharmacy. That's the only picture I've really ever seen of it as something. So the family that owns it um, had a family member that was living in there for 20 years. So there, it was like an empty warehouse with a toilet okay. in the corner um, and no real electricity. So uh, that's it's taken a long time. You know, we leased it and had to build out a firewall on one wall that we share with a salon because it was not up to code. Nothing's up to code because it hasn't been anything yeah. for so long. Uh, so that was a big mistake. Um, it's really just find something with all of those amenities, if you will, already there. Um, unless it's a brand new building that you're trying to lease and they give you a large amount of tenant improvement uh, if you put your HVAC system in and, and gas hookups and things like that. But that's, that's really... That's tip, that's tip number one right there. Yeah. Is always try to go with new construction because if you go with new construction and you tell them that what you're going to have in there, then go ahead and build it in when they're designing yes. the actual location. Mm -hmm. uh, that's tip, tip number one. Conversion... Is Dealing with paperwork and permit to get something converted is always a pain in the ass. It costs you a lot of money and it takes a lot, a lot of time. It does. And you rely a lot on the city. You know, you have to go to the city and keep showing them what you're doing, which is, I mean, not that anyone's trying to hide anything, but, you know, you have to show them that you want to put a light switch in and then you have to pay someone to, you know, do a drawing of the fucking light switch. It's it's crazy. So you do want to find a space that has those those things in place um what is it like with jupiter and how old is the building that you're in okay well here's here's a couple issues that jupiter's having right now uh, well first uh it's a giant giant space in our place the kitchen was not a problem they put it they spent all the money they put the hvac system in everything was taken care of the hood system uh, it was all 
checked by the city. It was approved by the city. So we are actually able to go in there and cook right now. I've been in there and I've cooked twice already, testing out recipes for the owners. The problem right now is because it's in a residential area, they didn't tell us at the beginning. They told us at the end, at the final permit, or the final approval from the city, that we needed a sound wall to go up around the hood system. Oh. And those things are really, really pricey. So there's always ways you can kind of get around certain things. That's one thing that you cannot get around. And I'm pretty sure it's, yeah. It's, so they finally had to cave in. And right now they're currently uh, working on building the HVAC system. Now, the problem with Mr. Darcy's, uh, which is in between uh, Bell and Blanchard on 2nd Avenue in Belltown in Seattle, Washington, um, is, so there's two kind of licenses you can get for a place. Uh, one is a restaurant slash bar license that you can get. And the other one is a nightclub slash bar license. One, you have to serve food in, right? It's a cheaper permit. Uh, the regulations on it are a little bit stiffer. There's a noise ordinance after 10 o'clock, yada, yada, yada. But you have to have like six entrees, X amount of proteins on it to get this restaurant license. Well, the way we were gonna get around that was we were gonna do charcuterie and all, they said that was not that's not acceptable. Uh, serving sizes had to be a certain size. So what they're doing, what they decided to do, which they've done with some of their other businesses, my friends have done, is they went ahead, they applied for the nightclub license. And then the city goes, if you're going to be a nightclub, you have to have some form of entertainment. What kind of entertainment are you going to have? And they're like, I don't know. We'll have bands or whatever. We'll do DJs or whatever. They go, well, you got to have a stage. Now, let me, let me tell you guys something. This is going to be a wine slash cocktail lounge with some charcuterie, some meats, some cheeses, some pickled veg. You know, this isn't a, a large-scale operation. Um, but sure enough, we had to go ahead and mark up to build a stage. But my friends have opened up about five businesses, so they've worked with the city long enough that they know how to get around working with the city and how to appease them because you don't want the city on your bad side or they will find ways that's going to cause they'll make you get permits off your ass and they'll find ways to where you're bankrupt before you even open up your doors you know mm -hmm. that's just that's just how they operate the sad part about it is with new owner operators of restaurants or bars or nightclubs is that they don't know this going in they think they call with a business plan, they find some financing, and they go ahead and they contact the contractor and they build out their place and they think, that's it. We followed all the building codes, we have all our permits, they turn them in and they think everything's gonna be A-OK. -okay. The city comes in and they tell you, wrong, 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 you need this, this, and this. By that time, you're already coming in over budget because you've added all the bells and whistles onto your restaurant, you have no more money. You haven't even opened up your doors yet. You have no staff. You have no customer base yet. And yet, you're already in the hole $20,000. Now, what's somebody supposed to do? You know, you say that you want, you know, small business owners and you want local companies, yet you're not on their side. 
it's ridiculous. That's that's kind of where we're at with my friends and their and their local businesses. Uh, one of them has done it. Is I'm not going to say a pro, a novice maybe with opening up businesses. He runs numerous successful businesses. They own a deli themselves. Um, and when they got, they went from bars to the food industry. I I warned them a long time ago about how much harder it is in the bar industry, and they've got into it, and they make a decent amount of money with the deli, but that's not, they didn't open it to make tons of money. They opened it up because they wanted to provide the neighborhood with sandwiches, with a New York-style high-end deli. That was their goal. And what people have to realize is that the only reason you're going to open up your own business uh, in the restaurant industry is because of passion. It's not because you want to become a millionaire. It's not because you, you're seeking fame, um, accolades from your community. You know, it's because you love cooking and you want to provide a service um, in your area uh, to your customer base. And you want to also provide your friends with jobs. I mean, Amy, why, why, why are you, why are you opening your, uh, your restaurant? Um, I've always wanted to own a restaurant since I was a little kid. I know that sounds pretty stupid, but it's <laughs> but it's true. I you know I wanted to have a restaurant, and when I was in my early twenties, before I actually started cooking professionally, I said I think I want to own a restaurant. Um, it is going terribly, but that's okay uh, because it's not open yet, and it's it's we're gonna get there. It's gonna be great. Uh, I want to cook, whether I make money or not. I, I don't need a lot of things. I think I have enough. I don't need, you know, a ginormous house. I don't have any kids. I, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I can cook until I'm dead. <laughs> but I would, I have to add in, you know, another piece of advice for new business owners or someone that wants to open a restaurant. Don't open a restaurant with any, anyone that just comes to you and says, I want to open a restaurant. It is, it just don't do that. You have to know your business partners. Uh, I won't totally go into that, but um, you know, <laughs> people get crazy when money and stress are involved. And you know, restaurants are very, very expensive with a very, very small margin. And you know, you, I'm not gonna see money for a long time, which is fine with me. But you know, when people start to realize that they can have meltdowns and they can kind of like fuck your shit up. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard of a good, uh, uh, happy, happy ending or an ever after story about somebody not from the industry coming in with deep pockets and saying they wanted to own a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple celebrities have some nice restaurants, but even probably almost about eighty percent of those sales, uh, they they just think it's a good idea. They like restaurants. They like eating out. They have a friend that's a chef. And they think that they can open up a restaurant and run it successfully. That's just not the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not the way shit goes. There's actually a really, really good Ask Reddit session that I saw a couple, I don't know how many years ago, a couple of years ago. But it's uh, Ask Reddit. Reddit, do you own slash run a restaurant? How did you get started? What were your ups and downs? And, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of stories from owner, owners and operators of restaurants from all over the world that come in and the one familiar story from each comment or reply on the reddit session is is that um the profit margins are very very low you know Mm -hmm. and 
if you can run a successful restaurant, uh, there's there's no doubt in that. Uh, but don't don't think that you're going to come into it and make tons and, and tons make of millions of, of dollars. I think a lot of people have that misconception, including people that do this. And unless you have a lot of years in costing um, and seeing, you know, the waste and knowing how much things cost and employees and theft and cleaners and, you know, water heaters that break, you know, we saw that with the closure of some places and a bankruptcy, you know, things are are expensive. Everything, everything is like $10,000, everything. And the other thing I've seen is a lot of people come into it with experience on one end and don't have experience on the other. Like they'll come in with a good kitchen, mm-hmm. kitchen experience, but they don't have front of house experience. And then the front of house gets fucked up. What was that? A sneeze? What was that? No, no, no. I just coughed because I don't think Keith knows, but right now Amy is, she's going through a similar problem. Is it that she's having to step out from behind the, mm-hmm. behind the, behind the, the Passover and she's having to work in the yes. front of the house, not just not just with the front of the house, but in I the front of the house. I have to hire the front of the house, uh, which is, you know, I was a retail manager for a long time, and I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and right now, I'm currently working in retail, but uh, it's it's hard to know really who's going to be great at front of the house when you don't, you know manage those people all the time. I haven't managed, you know, front of the house employees for a long time. And I haven't been a server for 11 years, 10 years, 11 years. Um, and I don't want to be a server. I don't want to serve the food. I just, I want to cook. I don't want, I don't I don't want, want to. I, I want to cook the food and I want to be really great at that. And maybe that makes me a bad owner or a bad executive chef. I don't care. I just want to cook the food. Yeah. Yeah, but see, the thing about it is, don't you have to? Aren't you going to have to set up some of the operations in the front? You aren't know, you going to have to set have up some of the train the training? You I know, have, I, I, like well. when you when you run when you're running out of money or you're behind schedule and you don't have the right person to do that job. Ultimately, you're going to have to step up to the plate and you're going to have to, you know, right bite the bullet and and, and fuck with these people in the front of the house. <laughs> and many of us know it. People in the back of the house don't like fucking with people in the front of the house. We, and the people in the front like of the house don't it. like us either because we cuss at them. I think everyone's yeah, they, used to that from me. Like, you know, my parents, the front of the house, the back of the house. But, I, you know, it's been a challenge. I've found some really great people to start off in the front of the house. Um, and I am very fortunate to have some friends that own Corvus and Company that are helping me write all of my front of the house operations sort of manuals. Um, I'm using, awesome, awesome. yeah, and they are amazing. Izzy and Mel are like the greatest people and they help me with everything. Um, I also am using Mezzanine. Uh, Rami, that's the company that we uh, used for payroll at Bell and & Weed and Local 360. Um, I worked with them at San Fermo and Percy's too, and they do everything. I mean, they, you know, pay your bills. Not pay your bill, but you know, I mean, they they use your accounts and and they make sure things are on time and they prepare your taxes and yeah, that's um, that's one that's, that's one a huge really, thing. Really cool yeah. thing. That's one really cool thing about the industry now is now that it's become at the forefront of like popular culture, the restaurant industry in the back of the house, and that there's a, there's a lot of companies that have come in from outside of the, the outside of the restaurants and helped streamline those types of things, such as payroll scheduling. Mm-hmm hiring um you know there's a lot of co- third-party companies from outside the restaurant that have come in and actually done it 
almost better than what me or you could have done. Right. You know, so that's they why hired, I'm trying to use they hire that tool. people from within the industry. Um, and we talked about we talked about it personally and on the show about people leaving the restaurant industry and going to work for some of these startups or some of these companies. Mm-hmm. They're actually hiring people from within the companies and they're helping small business owners. So that's something you should really look into too. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any closing comments on this subject, uh, Ms. Haney? Um, you know, you were talking about some local political things, and I think it's something that really um, bit everybody in the ass is the $15 an hour. I'm not against the living wage, but I think if they were going to do it, they should have just made it 15 fucking dollars an hour. Not on this weird sliding scale where a small business like mine, where I have eight employees, you know, my starting wages is 13 or, you know, that's what I'm required to pay. But then you have these bigger houses like, you know, Josh Henderson, who starts his cooks at like $23 an hour. How does one small company compete with that? You know, because I don't know. He's required. I, don't know I don't know if that's true that he starts his cooks well, they do, I, you al- know. I almost, I, when you talked to me about this other night, I almost mm-hmm. texted one of his head chefs to ask him what he gets paid, but I thought that was rude. But I'm like, why don't no you just way. ask? We're all friends. I mean, you know, not that we're I know. Mixed, I, you know. I know that. I know, but still, that's, I mean. You could ask, what do they start at? You know, they start yeah. between like 17 and 23. And a lot of the newer hotels do that. Um, you know, they do a service charge. It's different. But I'm not doing well, Tom, service charge. Tom Douglas starts. Tom Douglas starts his dishwashers on fifteen dollars an hour. Does he actually doing that do for it almost, now? No. Yes, no. No. He's been doing it for almost two years. I want to say. Okay, for almost two years, because initially when he did that interview with NPR like five years ago, he said he was, but he actually wasn't. And then he went yeah. back on NPR and reneged his statement, and that really pissed me off because then it looks, you know, it makes me look like a jerk because I can't afford to pay at the time where I was, you know, seven dishwashers, $15 an hour, because it just doesn't work that way. There's no dishwasher to hire anyway. <laughs> the other part of it is, is that the restaurants are going to have to start paying more because the fucking 7-Eleven down the street from Cantonetta was starting at 15 yeah, like, and I would work at that Seven Eleven for fifteen dollars. <laughs> you know? I was like, wait, I'm, I'm I mean, not I might get, get shot, but I'm, I'm not going to get cut. I'm not going to get burned. <laughs> I'm not going to be sore, stiff, and broken at the end of the night. Right. Uh, and I'll probably get home in time for dinner with whoever I want to have dinner with. This is true. I don't know how you feel about the the wage. I know we've talked about this. I know on the show, and we've talked about service charge, but it just seems. You know, I don't think it's going to get fixed. You know, was it twenty twenty seven, and everyone's going to be making fifteen dollars an hour? How is, how is that livable in ten years? It's, you know, it's that's that's not it's not livable, and especially with the robots coming, we're all going to be out of we're all going to be supporting the robots. Like fifteen isn't even livable now in this. No, city. it's no, it's and not. by the and time it hits fifteen for small businesses, is not going to be anywhere near. It's, it's going to be like living in a box, livable. We'll all, all have right. to live in the restaurant anyway. I don't know how we got onto uh, the Seattle, the national minimum wage debate, but anyway, um, Keith, yes. Any, any any closing statements about uh, opening new restaurants? Um, the only one I've seen recently, or been like even tangentially involved in recently, uh, has gone downhill. Um, I won't call out any names, but it started off with a change of execs like three times and then um, some disputes between the owners that led to a split. And now probably 
the one talented guy they have left in the kitchen has decided to split as well. So um, I, I got to say, I'm going to stay the fuck away from him. Um, the last, the last thing that I'll say about this issue is, um, if you are going to open up a restaurant, um, kind of do it like Amy does, um, start small, um, start grassroots, start local, um, keep your menus big. I know that you have big eyes. People think they can do it better than everybody else. Um, that may be true, but you're not necessarily in a position to do that this time in your career as a restaurateur. Um, start small. You will make some money. Uh, and once you get a name and you've shown, you've proven that you can make it, you can last for more than two or three years as a restaurateur slash chef, um, then you'll start getting people that want to come to you and bring you money and let you let you set your own pace and create a bigger uh, a bigger uh, establishment. Uh, that, those are the people that I've seen in the city of Seattle, also within some of the larger cities around the United States. Are people that started off small, busted their ass, uh, proven themselves, and then they get people to, you know, that, that spend are willing to spend the money. So you can open up your dream restaurant. Your original restaurant is not going to be your dream restaurant. It just needs to be four walls, a kitchen, some tables, and good food. You know what I'm saying? Create a good work environment, and uh, you got some happy campers all across the board. Um, and then once you start getting some more people bringing you money. Then start hiring your crazy-ass architects to create your dream establishment. It takes a long time. I've watched my friends build. It took them about 10 years. Uh, I'm going to say six or eight, six to eight years before they could really start doing what they wanted to do uh, with their money. But you're going to have to own multiple establishments to uh, actually become wealthy or rich in this industry, I guess. So, yeah. How long take, Mister? Mm, Thirteen minutes. What are you still doing here? I thought I <laughs> <you>. <laughs> so Keith and I and Bobby and Johnny are all uh, part of this Facebook group. It's called Line Cooks, Chefs Old and New. And when Keith decided that he was no longer going to work in the kitchen, he posted a. Long, crazy letter for all all of us to read. I don't know. I'm trying to see how many members are on here. It's probably thousands. Maybe a couple I thousand. I saw <laughs> it. I think I got off work and I saw it and I was like, oh, I know that guy. And so I, I read it and I said that uh, I would like to come on and read parts of it so we could discuss, you know, his feelings. So he put them all out there. Uh, I'm just going to read a few excerpts and we're going to ask Keith uh, how he was feeling and why he... He's doing this. So it says, that's it. I quit. I retire. After 20 some years in and out of the kitchen, trying to leave but getting sucked back in, I'm getting out. I've got a condo. I'm putting on Airbnb. So if you need an Airbnb in Seattle, you know. Holla. Hey, Keith up. Okay. And a media startup, which is this, that's beginning to make money. No more skeevy owners. No more late checks. No more C-school grads who bitch about being put in dish because the regular guys in jail or got deported. No more wondering what it's like to have weekends to myself. No more f- fuckstick front of the house seating parties of 10, five minutes before close. No more smelling like pork, garlic, onions every day. So, first of all, I have to say, I don't think it's a problem to smell like those things every day, but that's, yeah. You know, I, I don't me. think it's necessarily a problem <laughs> all the time, but every once in a while you get home, you're like, oh my God, everything smells like my station. Okay, this is true. Uh, the first, yeah. 
the, that. The first station I worked on, uh, I had to fire like a million pounds of truffle fries <laughs> every yeah. second of the shift, like every second. And the first day I worked that station, I went home on the bus and realized that I had truffle fries down my shirt and in my bra, and it was disgusting. <laughs> anyway, so why did you decide to leave the kitchen? Um, because, and this kind of goes back to the, the avoiding opening things. One of the things I realized is that I love working in kitchens on the line. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to have shit to do with ordering. I don't want to have shit to do with costing. I don't have shit to do with hiring. I like to be in the middle of a crush, trying not to let everything fall apart. Like, that's, okay. it's like a, it's, you know. It's the rush. It's yeah. the adrenaline. That's the part I love about it. And the mm-hmm. problem with that is, is that there will never be a point where that, particular love of mine is going to make me enough money and make okay. me like secure enough financially to, to live up to the responsibilities that I have now. Okay. That makes sense. I guess. I got kids. They're fucking okay. expensive. Okay. I don't have them. I have dogs. So you have two? Is that yeah. how many you have? Two whole children. And both of them are still alive. They're healthy. Okay. Two whole children opposed to half? What do well, you think about I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, a whole whole chicken. Anyway, I don't. Do they do they get to see you more now? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, hang out, like do dad stuff for dinner occasionally. That's weird. Isn't it weird? Yeah, it's fucking strange. I've been doing that for a year. It's very strange. It's light outside, and you're talking to people. Like I get to read to them at night every once in a while now, which was not happening before because I was like, oh hey, can daddy talk? No, daddy's in the middle of like five tickets. I gotta go. Click. Oh. We'll read the next part of, of Keith's infamous letter. It says, I'm going to miss it all terribly. The friendships, the crush, the crash at the end. But there's no real money in this game. And unless you want to be an owner, no end game. I'm getting old and I have expensive tastes and expensive habits and expensive hobbies and kids. I should get to know mine. And I'd like to get to the gym. As it turns out, pasta and risotto six days a week will make you a chubby monkey. Who knew? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're all kind of fine being chubby. I don't know. Am I alone well, in that feeling? I, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm okay with a certain amount of chubbiness, okay. but like yes. I can't afford to like buy new clothes every year and a half because because it's just family meal risotto <laughs> yeah. every day, all day. I mean, Italian risotto, risotto ball. Italian okay. food is fucking <laughs> pig fat, cheese fat. And carbs. That's like the best. That's Italian like the food. most beautiful words I, I know I've that, ever but heard. Like it's not <laughs> sustainable. I know. I know. It says the friendships, the crush, and the crash at the end. So I mean, you know, we're friends, and we've met through this industry, you know, which is great. You know, I have a lot of friends I've kept through all the jobs actually that I've had, which is sometimes surprising. I think we. It's not just friends. It's not just friends. You don't. You don't. You don't make friends in the industry. You, you gain family. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is like, There's a lot of people I've met in the industry that I don't even particularly like, but <laughs> I would work a line with any time because I know right. they're fucking solid and I respect the shit out of them. Yes. Like, And I miss that because you just don't find that in a lot of regular life. No. And I think it's because we're like forced to work together, too. And I've, you know, I've talked about it on here before. You know, I've definitely gotten in fights with some, uh, you know, some hacks on the line. <laughs> Which is part of the fun. I mean, you know, whatever. Anyway, Keith, you have to tell me about who this this crush is. I don't think you're going to, but you know, no, I meant the crush of just being. Oh, on the, the, line cr- oh, the crush! Service. I thought like, it was a lady. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even necessarily mind being in the weeds because, mm-hmm. like, 
for me, there's a certain amount of peace to just having to work your ass yes. off without thinking. It's like a, a rhythm and you just do it. Because, like, you know what you're doing. Like, there's nothing that's going to go wrong in the kitchen that I can't fix. When someone throws a uh, whipped cream charger into the fryer, what do you do? Step out of the <laughs> fucking, fucking run. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the way, then go back and fucking finish those fries. Okay. I don't know if I'd go back. I don't know. <laughs> it happened at one place I worked at, but I was not working that day. You call some people out by name, which is very brave of you, sir. I will uh, do that. I will do that amongst like family and friends, like in that kind of a setting, but I won't do it in public. I don't That's think we need to, well, I mean, to, you know, publicly I mean, there's shame. People, there's, there's people in that letter that I, my, I possibly would love to have them to the studio sometime. And now that... I don't know if they're going to see Well, no, they follow us, so they might see it. But So maybe we might have to redact some of that. We're, we're going we're gonna to put the blog post version up because I crossed out a few names on the yeah, blog he, post. Yeah, he crossed okay. some things out. It's like a like I made it. I made it good for public. I'm not going to call people out on that kind of stuff like in public. That's just that's family business. You just don't put that on the street. But still, it was still nice to hear Keith be able to like share his true feelings yes. because so much in this industry, people keep their mouth shut. We've talked about it on the show before. They don't want to get themselves, um, you know, banned or ostracized or, um, you know, not, you know, if you call people out by name or, or give away some of the dirty secrets about certain restaurant uh, restaurants or their owners or their chefs, um, word spreads fast and you won't get hired. So since Keith was stepping away from the industry, he felt, you know, he felt the freedom to uh, speak his mind and call people out by names, which is awesome. You he know? says good things, too. You know, he says, Brian Casey, the way you love and care about food inspires me. The way you care about teaching humbles me. I love you, chef. Thank you. Uh, Bobby and I and Johnny all worked with Brian, too. And, you know, I know that Brian Casey loves food. I know uh, what he's well, talking about, but, you know, he a, also loves note, some fun stuff, too. So, you know. Here's a side note that I didn't bring up. One of the people that was at that fundraiser was Miss um, Linda Dershay. She's an interesting woman. You know, she didn't want to talk anything about the restaurant industry, which is nice. I've met her numerous times before. You know, she's a, restaurant, a successful restaurateur, but I found her not, to be nothing but pleasant to me ever. Every time I've talked to her. But there are some people out there in our industry that really, really dislike her. And that's some things that I draw comparison with Keith's letter is that, you know, he dislikes some people in the industry. And it's like some of those same people that he's talking on that letter, I I don't share those same feelings for those people. And I understand his his circumstance and where he's coming from, but there's always a flip side of that coin. So when you hear people out there in public talking shit about a certain place or talking about a certain people. Yes, they're correct because of their interaction with that because person. Because of their experience. Yeah, I'm not we, saying we like... We all have different yeah. experiences. And Keith is a funny person. And a lot of the sort of negative things, I guess, in this when you know, you all read this on the blog or on their uh, Facebook, it's it's supposed to be funny. Like, we're funny people. You know, we work yeah. late at some night. We don't get, have regular don't interaction. Some people don't get that. You know, yeah. when he says, you know, thanks for showing me what a bitch-ass punk looks like. Like, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, fuck you and your xanthan gum. You know, you, but you I... Learn, <laughs> you learn something from everybody. You learn something But from you everybody. do. I mean, and now he knows he doesn't like xanthan gum. So, it's important <laughs> I don't like people that use things. xanthan gum as a crutch. Well, it it's makes, like... It's good for making... Boogers. I don't. 
You know? it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be in Romesco and it should. Oh, that's be. weird. Oh my God. That's it weird. It shouldn't be in fucking salsa. It shouldn't be in oh. everything you do that you can't make right. No, because we're not making shelf stable, you know, things to sell at the Fred Meyer. That's weird. I didn't know that. Awesome. Anyway, but you know, oh. it's funny. It's good stuff. All right. Well, with that, uh, we say thank you, Keith, for your letter. Uh, I enjoyed the letter very, very much. I it's did a, too. It's a great one. I read all it several times. <laughs> yeah, all positive. I've shared it with some of my friends. Uh, all positive feedback, right? Any uh, negative? Any any haters out there? There are a couple of haters. There are people like, well, if I just don't see your passion, you just wasted twenty years of your life, and I'm like, dog, fuck you. All right, so we're gonna move on to ingredient of the week, and uh, I picked out uh, Dungeness Craft because it is craft season here at the Pacific Northwest. And I was fortunate enough to receive some fresh crab from the San Juan Islands, care of my girlfriend Hannah's parents. So I'd like to thank them. I'm going to let uh, ladies go first. So, Chef, what do you got? Uh, so, I was lucky enough to go crabbing, not this past 4th of July, but the one uh, before with actually someone that we worked for. Uh, and I had to pull up the crab pots myself, which is very, very hard when you're 4'11 and you're like 100 Ooh. pounds. So um, that's something that we, we are we are lucky enough here in the Pacific Northwest to actually to have catch, the crab, catch our own crab. Yes. Yeah, we can catch our own crab here in Seattle. There's actually spots you can do it. And uh, nothing's better than fresh crab. It's, that you it's a lot of fun, you know, until you yeah. have to take them out and either crack them in half or take a screwdriver and shove it in their privates. Anyway, Get it, girl. <laughs> so I would just, if I were going crabbing and I had fresh crab, I would steam it, you know, just in some water on the beach. And then I would melt some butter in whatever apparatus I could. I think we talked about a microwave earlier. I wouldn't have that with me, but uh, I would just heat some butter and I would just sit on the ground and like eat the crab with my hands like a gross person. See, I don't like I don't like regular butter for my my shellfish because my you're crab. the devil. I what is wrong? With no, you? no, no, no. I like I like clarified butter. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say like you know. Some sort of no. weird margarine oh, thing. Much. I don't know. You're from Ohio. I don't know what you like. <laughs> oh, whatever. Don't hate on Ohio, though, Buckeye. It's a mixture of butter uh, and cheese whiz. That actually sounds really you, good. <laughs> I think it's you, like a Korean gonna, thing. Are you going to be pairing that with anything, Miss uh, uh, Probably a bottle, like a big bottle of rose <laughs> and a straw. All right. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Always delicious. Uh, Keith. Um, you're going to take that live crab and you're going to get yourself a large hotel pan and a large purse sheet and some aluminum foil and you're going to line the inside of that hotel pan and you're going to smoke a bunch of wood chips and you're going to dump them in the bottom of it, put the purse sheet over it, lay the crab in there, quick smoke, take it out and eat the shit out of it. How long, how long, how long are you smoking your crab for there, buddy? Um, I don't know. I haven't done it with like fresh, like live <laughs> off the boat crab. I've done it with a smoke gun and it took quite a while. Um, yeah, so you're looking at about 30 minutes for like probably, probably 30 minutes. I mean, it depends if you're going to like boil them first, like blanch them or yeah, cold smoke. I mean, I don't know how long a cold smoke would take. It just it depends. It's it's one of those things where you're going to go in and it's going to depend on how much crab you have, how many how much wood chips do you have, everything else. So you know, just occasionally poke your head in there, uh, grab some, see how it goes, and uh, enjoy. All right. 
So I'm a, you can use my re, with my recipe. You can use either Amy's technique for cooking your crab, or you can use Keith's technique for uh, cooking your crab. The hardest part about working with crab is is after you cook it, is cleaning all your crab. So time consuming. I got crab off of my friend who's a commercial fisherman. Uh, he brought me about Keith. You remember how many pounds he gave me? Uh, it was a metric fuck ton. Yeah, he gave me a shit ton of crab, and I was passing out crab, but it took me about three hours to clean, uh, I don't know, let's say about 50 crab legs, maybe. It took me about three hours. I don't, I don't remember how many it was. But anyway, uh, so you're going to clean all that crab. Once you got all your crab clean, you are going to get a half a box of or fresh um, so probably maybe about 16 ounces or so of uh, fettuccine pasta. You're going to get a half cup of butter. Um, you're going to take about eight ounces of crab meat. Um, you're going to get mm, probably about two, a handful and a half of cherry tomatoes. Um, uh, one and a half tablespoons of chili flake. Uh, three whole cloves of garlic. Uh, you need the salt and pepper. Um uh, you're going to salt your water, drop your fettuccine in there for about 8 to 10 minutes. So it's al so dente. You want to pull that out, uh, put some cold water on it. And then you're in your uh, saute pan. You're going to melt that butter into a pot. You're going to uh, get that nice and nice and hot. Uh, and then you're going to toss in your tomatoes. You'll add for an onion, too. Um, you know, toss that around. Get your... Uh, Cherry tomatoes blistered, uh, get your onions uh, translucent. Then you're going to throw in your garlic, your red pepper flake, uh, your salt, your pepper, uh, and then your crab. You're going to toss that around a couple of times just to heat, bring the crab up to heat. Um, and then you're going to splash it with a dash of heavy cream. Uh, you're going to drop your pasta in there, uh, your fettuccine in there, and then maybe hit it with a little bit of uh, pasta water. And uh, serve that. Maybe uh, dress up, put, put some garnishment, put some fresh basil on top of it. I don't know. How does that sound, guys? It sounds okay. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it sounds great. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give you a hard time. You're not here. Yeah, I know. It's first time. First time for everything. You know I was there, you'd be catching my hands. All right, that's going to bring us to the end of episode 79 of Grill How Long Steak Mister. I would love, love, love to thank Amy in person, but I cannot, so I'm high-fiving you through the phone line. Um, I'd like to thank Keith for being in studio and also joining in on this episode. It's nice to have you uh, on the air, sir. Uh, I'd also like to thank Johnny. Johnny's uh, working on having his kid, so he might not be around for a couple episodes or so. I'm probably going to pitch at him and drag him back in the studio. We will be having a couple of different people filling in uh, for Girl Long State Minister. Uh, let's thank all of our listeners uh, for their continued support. Uh, I'd like to urge everybody to go visit us. Um, on Facebook, it's going to be uh, Girl Long State Minister. Our Instagram is actually popping off. Um, it is also Grill How Long Steak Mister. My Instagram is going to be Bobby Stills. Uh, that's S P I L L S. Um, everybody's been coming to follow me on uh, Instagram from uh, Grill How Long Steak Mister. Thank you, everybody. 
Uh, Amy, you want to give out your uh, information about your uh, restaurant so and your and your uh, social media? The restaurant is called Jolie. I'm in the north end of Ballard in a neighborhood called Stumbletown. Uh, we're at 618 Northwest 65th. Our Instagram is at Jolie Seattle, and we are on Facebook just as Jolie. So, you know, please come in to the restaurant. It should be open in the first week of August. Um, if you guys would like to talk to us on Twitter, uh, more specifically, Jan Jader, uh, he also runs JY Photography. Uh, it's going to be at How Long State Mister on Twitter. Uh, Keith, what's your social media? Uh, Keith Anchor on Twitter and Beats Noise Light on Instagram, although I haven't posted anything on there in a while. Uh, but yeah, come find like me, yo. Thank, yeah, we'd like to thank uh, Studio 212 for letting us record there. I'd like to thank OC Notes for our intro music. I would also like to thank uh, Soundcasting Network for hosting our podcast, uh, a.k.a. Keith Boogie. Keith Anchor, Rosetto Ball, that's them. He's the man. Uh, there's plenty of other shows on there. I think there's probably about 10, 12. We were up at 15 for a while. Um, there's plenty of other shows, blow up podcasts. They're really good. Break Dance is a Something really fun to check out. Um, yeah, go check out soundcastingnetwork.com. And uh, anything else, guys? Life's too short to eat shitty food, man. I heard ya. All right, guys. Uh, till next week. Check you later. Grill. How long steak, Mister? Five minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>